You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've seen something strange, something paranormal, a cryptid, ghost, a UFO, and you want to tell your story, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. This is episode 103. It's a bonus episode for everybody. Hope you enjoy it. Tonight, I will be talking with Phil. Phil's an author and a podcaster and a musician, and we do talk a little bit about that, but he also describes a very intense sleep paralysis experience where he encountered some entity that talked to him. It's very, very creepy. And of course, there's a possible flannel man encounter too. We're talking with Phil, who has a couple things to share with us, including something that sounds like the the uh, tendrils of inky shadow episode that we talked about before, and possibly a flannel man, or certainly someone strange in flannel. 
So um, what do you want to start with? Um, I guess why don't we we can start with the inky tendrils uh, since that was what had me send my first out of like fourteen consecutive rapid fire emails, and then then we can work our way over to the uh, the, the flail man story. Sounds good. Yeah. So this happened when I was a, when I was a teenager. I was probably about uh, fifteen or sixteen years old, and I was uh, living. I was still living in my parents' house. It was a um, it was basically a single story kind of ranch style house. My dad had converted the uh, attic into my parents' bedroom, and then uh, the kids, we had our bedrooms at the far end of the house. So there was a big, long hallway that I sprinted down many times at night as a kid because it was long and seemed very scary. There's something about the long corridor at night. And so our bedrooms were at the end. As I recall, uh, one, if not both, of my sisters were already uh, off in college or living outside the house. I was you know, in bed at night, and I kind of woke up. Uh, but I was in sort of that sort of twilight space where I was kind of coming out of a dream. Someone was coming down the hallway. Our hallway was kind of creaky. There were certain spots that creaked and popped. So I heard that. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, my sister's home. Uh, and she's, you know, coming down to my bedroom. That's when I opened my eyes and I kind of saw like a dark shape standing in the, in the doorway. And I was still kind of half in the bag, right? And then uh, this low kind of guttural voice. It was almost silly in quality you know when you kind of make your voice all kind of gravelly and i won't do it now because i probably won't be able to speak for the rest of this conversation but you kind of do kind of like a a fake kind of demonic kind of voice that's basically what it sounded like to me uh and it just said i love you and then it started laughing and so i took it as uh, my sister uh, was being silly maybe playing a joke on me so i i said i love you i said it back i said it in the same voice but i kind of had a bit more of a um, a mocking kind of lilt to it, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when things started happening very fast. All of a sudden, this presence that was in the door rushed toward the bed. And the act of whatever happened in that sort of transference of energy there from it moving from the doorway to the side of the bed snapped me awake. Like I was absolutely, uh, I, I will swear to this day that I was wide awake at that point. And of course, it, I, it was it was not a good presence. Uh, it was just it, it just felt bad to me. It just felt bad. And the only thing I think I could think of was um, I'm going to turn on the light. I, I wasn't screaming. wasn't even the first thing that came to mind. I figured I'll scream once I get the light on. Right. <laughs> and, and but I couldn't move. And it wasn't that I felt like I was paralyzed. You know, I was kind of thinking back on this. Um, and I was doing some research for for one of the podcasts I do, and and one thing that struck me is a lot of people when they uh, reference sleep paralysis, you know, they say it's a they feel like a pressure like on their chest, or they kind of feel like a pressure on their chest and almost like a a strangulating kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, this was around my arms, and I just I distinctly remember, and I don't often I this is probably the first time I've ever really talked about this in great deal in, in, in a long time. It was, I had actually, I was walking the dogs early and I was kind of psyching myself up saying, you're probably going to creep yourself out talking about this again, but you, you can get through it. <laughs> it felt like two hands, uh, you know, one on each arm, uh, just above, uh, my elbow, you know, kind of at the bottom of my bicep holding me down, like pinning me to the bed. And so I was on un- I could kind of move my body a little bit, uh, but not enough to, not enough to turn over because the way my lamp was kind of situated, I didn't have enough reach for the arm closest to the lamp. 
my my angle would be much better if I could just roll over and and reach for the lamp. And at which point this I hear this voice is now in my ear and saying something to the effect of, "Don't mock me. I could I could either was I could either kill you or I could destroy you very easily." Uh, and as I felt the voice kind of close to my ear, it almost felt like the pressure kind of eased up on one side of me. And that's when I was able to kind of roll over, uh, reach that bedside lamp and turn it on. And the moment I turned it on out of the corner of my eye, uh, it looked like someone dropping ink into like a glass of water or, you know, when you're dying Easter eggs and you drop that pellet in or you're drip uh, food coloring in into liquid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like that, but in reverse. So it was like this dark, these inky tendrils, if you will, but it kind of sucked and folded in on itself and then everything kind of felt normal again. And in looking back too, you know, and, and this is something I kind of had forgotten about until I was getting into really thinking about this to try to coax out as many details as I could. But, you know, that area of the room where the figure was standing was just darker than I was accustomed to in my bedroom, if that makes any sense. Like I've always would, I had a nightlight on in there, but that whole side of the room just looked like it was just, just blanketed in darkness once everything kind of receded things went kind of back to normal and and i was still terrified and i did t- i did try to scream as i was contemplating that that rollover once i felt the pressure let up right. um but i had i just did i had no voice like i some sounds kind of came out but i think that was more they just i was just too scared to make any more noise than it was actually coming out of me I but mean, yeah, man, I, wow. I, I know yeah. that feeling that you almost uh, like a whimpering that yeah. sound. Yeah. Oh, it was the it was the strangest, and I don't think I've ever duplicated that sound uh, to this day. But it was so just it was it didn't sound like a sound that had <laughs> that could ever possibly come out of my mouth. Yet it was. I, wow, this is so creepy. I mean, this is a really really creepy to have to have it start off with whatever saying yeah. "I love you," yeah, and then escalate you know so quickly yeah and there was just a weird connotation again this is this is looking back and this was after kind of i kind of examined the episode after initially after it had happened but there was this sincerity in the words i love you but there was a there was a sort of a a dark portent to it if that makes any sense i i have no doubt whatever was saying that it loved me loved me right that that felt like an accurate statement but just not in the way that we typically express love or say you know what love means to to us as human beings if that makes any if that makes any sense at all i i I, that's the best way i can i can describe it and you know creepy though and there was a certain feel to the presence something that i i to this day i can't put it into words but it it, there was a uh a recognizable quality to it. And I only say that because many years um, later, maybe it was about 16, then and maybe, maybe 10 or more years later, this was when I was you know, living at a house in my, in my previous marriage at one point, this might've been over the span of a month, uh, maybe more. It was before I had kids, some strange things started happening around the house and it kind of coincided with a certain level of, of the tension um, in in that marriage at that time, I can't remember exactly what was going on, but I remember there was a lot of unhappiness and kind of disquiet in in the house. 
And then some weird things started happening. I would hear noises downstairs. Uh, the dogs were getting spooked. The cats were like acting so strangely. One night, you know, I, I just went to check things out and I, I made my way down to the first floor and, and all was cool. And then I made my way down into the basement and then I started to get that feeling, you know, where you instantly kind of, you, you go cold, but it's not, it's not like a temperature thing. It's almost like a sickly cold kind mm -hmm. of feel. Mm -hmm. And I made my way into like the laundry room and there's like a sub pump kind of well in there in the back. And the, I, the only way I can describe the way it felt was the way that like it felt before that thing kind of rushed toward me in my bedroom was this sort of same kind of dark feeling of something being there and it felt just so familiar and I was sure that whatever it was was the same thing that was in my in my bedroom as a teenager and I quickly went back upstairs and got back in bed and just tried to ignore it but things just felt so off in that house that finally um, one night I got the nerve to go downstairs and I said I said I don't know who you are or what you are but you're not welcome here and and you need to leave and after that, it was a completely different house. Wow. Yeah. That story, I've, I think I've only shared to one, one human being ever. That's the first time. I, and that's the first time I've ever said that on a, on a microphone for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the creature, the, the thing, the entity, the feeling I'm taking away is, and correct me if this is me, you know, reading too much or, or, or <laughs> making too much of it. Of course. But it's, I, I love you in the way that a parasite loves its host. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something along those lines. I don't think you're reading too into it. I, I just, it was, um, that's close to it. It's that sort of, you know, that kind of just unhealthy, but it yeah. was almost, like I just, there's, there's this kind of missing gap of not your understanding, but I think my understanding where i can't fully comprehend exactly what it was but it was not good right, yeah. right. And that, if that makes again I, not to sound like a broken record if that makes any sense you know no, and, no it's, this stuff is it's difficult to explain on any level much less yeah. to, to sort of reason out of it so the next night the, the couple nights after it happened i mean were you terrified to, to sleep there Oh, I slept with all the lights on in my bedroom. I uh, I didn't put the uh, the hallway light on because I didn't I didn't say anything about this to my parents. Uh, I know it would have freaked my mother out, who was you know I was raised Catholic, um, and and you know we couldn't even really talk about Ouija boards <laughs> in the house because my mom just didn't want to hear hear about it. And again, she's a very rational, very rational woman, but just wanted nothing to do with it. And I figured I was scared the out of everyone and that, can i say that can i stop <laughs> the s bomb because i just did <laughs> it's fine. um yeah but i i so i didn't turn on the hallway light but i turned on the light in the bathroom uh, i turned on the lights in my bedroom i made sure the door to my sister's bedroom uh was closed because there was no one in there i made sure the door to the, my grandmother's bedroom used to be I made sure that was closed and then i actually slept with my door all the way open though because i figured if it was a jar or closed then something could push it open and then kind of push me over the brink of insanity right. in the process. So, uh, but yeah, I was, it was, it was, uh, it was a little while before I was able to, to figure out how to, how to sleep again. Uh, and, and, you know, as a younger guy too, like as a, as a kid, you know, I was convinced that I would hear things at night. I was convinced that things kind of fell off my shelves, like my toys on their own, uh, whether or not that was 
just a kid being a kid and, and freaking themselves out. I've always had, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I've always had a very active imagination. But in the same breath, I also feel like I was also very kind of, because of that, more open to these kinds of experiences. And I think there's something to be said that, you know, the more open you are, the more kind of free and open your mind is to these things. I think the more receptive you are to having either them happen or kind of noticing it happening around you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting because when I was younger, you know, I would notice things like this more, be it things falling over in, in, in my room, you know, minor things, not like the, the big incident. And then I think as I kind of progressed in life and, and I think the, the weight of, of life stresses began weighing me down, I feel like that part of my, part of my brain was kind of closed off more to the experiences, if that makes any sense. And, and I think just now in recent years, I've been thinking more about this stuff and my interest has kind of been peaking up again. And then I wonder, you know, how that's going to, that's going to play out if I continue to, to, to pursue this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I dropped it and I don't think it was fully consciously. I think it was yeah. uh, circumstances of life for the most part. But when my kids were real young, I just, you know, I just kind of dropped it all and not, there wasn't a particular thought that went into it. Like, I'm going to stop doing this stuff now. It was more like, uh, yeah. you know, just everything's going on. They're, yeah. Got, got two yeah. young kids and, you know, coming back to it, I, I've wondered how, how, you know, it would react and so forth. And, uh, it's been okay. Like my kid, yeah. I guess my, my son's skeptical enough where, where, uh, he's not worried about it. My, my daughter just keeps saying, I know I'm going to see flannel man. I don't want to see flannel man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Cause, um, we, uh, so after I was, you know, I, I got divorced and then I, I, I met an a amazing woman and, uh, we shared an apartment together and the, the kids were there with us every, you know, every other weekend at that time. Um, but we were both convinced and, and she would murder me if I, if she knew I was talking about this in the house, cause I'm not allowed to talk about this subject in the house, but we were uh, very much convinced that that apartment itself had some kind of entity in it. She had a ton of experiences there when we were living there, mostly when I wasn't around and there were a few that happened when we were both there. Uh, there were times where my youngest daughter, she was, I think three at the time would hang out in the closet chatting with her friend in there. And of course, that sounds ad. That's a total trope. Trust me, I I, I, and I understand that. But um, <laughs> but it was there was definitely something going on in there, and and uh, that was I think the first time that I had kind of had things happen again, um, since I was I was uh, you know a younger guy. But um, yeah, to that end, you know, like your daughter saying, I don't want to see Final Man. My wife is like, I don't want anything coming to this house. I don't want. So, right. so you can't say you can't say the G word in this house. <laughs> <laughs> So Which I don't. Than, th I don't think. I don't think I actually said the G word. So I think we're still good. <laughs> <laughs> Other than, um, it took me a minute. I was like, oh, "Ghost." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to say it. <laughs> G G G G G. I'm going through my head. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, go I'm going ten other places. You know, <laughs> going through a whole list of uh, alien races. I'm like, yeah. Which one begins with G? You know. <laughs> Other than the incident that you described, where you you went down to the the basement or. The, the bottom floor and felt mm. uh, that it was probably the same entity or something like it mm. in there. Did you ever run across this thing again or anything like it? Nope. Nope. Not, not since then. That was probably 2007. Uh, yeah. Two, I think it's uh yeah. 2007 sounds about right. So not, not since then. Um, 
unfortunately. Just the, the kind of two, two instances, one in your teens and one in your 20s. Yeah, yeah. So I made it through my 30s with, without another incident. So I think, uh, knock on wood, let's, let's keep that trend going. Yeah, right. Oh, it's so creepy, though. I'm trying to think if I've had any other ones where they've spoken in English to people mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like these mm-hmm. these i the I, just bedroom invaders night nighttime invaders whatever you yeah. want to call them yeah and i'm i'm drawing a blank right now i can't think of any and i think it's almost creepier i think than just to have it there <laughs> you know i mean it's great well, yeah. enough to be to be held down or pinned down or which you know a lot of people have reported in one way or another yeah but uh to have the the sort of uh, speech that goes with it is super creepy well, and I didn't expect to hear anything else. I was, you know, I was I was terrified, right, when the presence rushed to the bed. But my rational mind was like, okay, something very scary is happening right now. You might still be dreaming. Certainly, it whatever spoke to you in the doorway, that was that was part of the dream and now you're awake and and this is going to be over soon. And then when it wasn't over like instantly and then the speech kind of resumed that's that's when you know that's when i was about out of my skin with right. terror and i've never been more afraid in my entire life than i was you know in that moment when you saw it in the doorway did it have more or less a, a humanoid shape yeah it was more yeah it was more or less a humanoid shape uh it was tall i mean it was taller than my dad who's six two i mean it was almost up to the you know to the top of the door frame and then beyond that i couldn't really make out too much else about the shape the arms from what i recall were just seemed a little bit longer than normal but it almost seemed like a shadow kind of effect if that makes any sense where the light is kind of affecting the length mm-hmm. at least in the way the thing kind of appeared and again that's that's my mind's eye recounting it but uh that right. it seemed a little slightly disproportionate but not so much so that it was wildly you know inhuman looking mm-hmm. wow i don't know i don't know if i'd trade the grays <laughs> for that I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not something I, I either one I, I, I'd like to uh, experience or experience again. So that's, but uh, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. Well, I hope you never, yeah. never have to see that again. Yeah, I, I hope so too. I mean, it's, it's, again, I've never talked about it in this, in this capacity. So it's actually felt better than I, than I thought it would. I thought I would be, and and again when we end the call, uh, the the fear might kind of descend again. But right now it's been, it's been okay, you know. And it's funny because I've, you know, I've hinted at these incidents, and and you know I'm a I'm a writer of of fiction, you know I'm I write horror, sci-fi, and and some of this stuff from that experience I kind of sprinkled into one of my books, not like overtly, but you know I was okay like facing it like that way that if I work it into a book then I can kind of be okay with that that was a thing that happened and but it's it's a whole different thing when you are talking about it face on and 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 really kind of sitting there and thinking back about those details and and it's amazing how much you do actually remember even when you've kind of cut off some of those things for a little while how quickly it it jumps back and in, into your memory yeah there's a special kind of presence when these things happen uh, i've described it as more real than reality in some ways yeah yeah i've, I've heard you say that i've heard you say that and it, it just drives it home and, and locks it in i think yeah uh, what for me what i can remember you know th- there are gaps that mm-hmm. that i can't the fact that you're able to write about it in a fictional way mm-hmm. 
to me that it almost mirrors kind of so my first book i didn't talk about anything of my own my own experience actually my first three books yeah you know the two bigfoot books and and beyond the seventh gate my first one i didn't talk about my own experiences at all i didn't even bring it up and then you know at some point sarai and a few other people were like why don't you talk about your own stuff you got some pretty weird stuff going yeah on. yeah and yeah. Uh, in, in my latest book i started to do that where i felt it was appropriate but it's 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 very interesting that you 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 sort of you're doing the fictional equivalent of that. You know, I'll write about somebody else having this experience. Oh, abs- absolutely, and, and absolutely. not myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with with we're going to talk about um, my Dudley Town experience with Flannel Man in a little bit, um, which is funny because that was kind of the side side note kind of experience. But um, you know, I wrote a short story you know, based on based on what that experience was, and again, that was another very kind of terrifying experience where I, I won't say I was like the focal point of whatever forces are in that town, but still that was something that stuck with me and definitely prevented, <laughs> prevented a lot of sleep. Oh, well, I, as good as time as any to go into that. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go into it. Okay. So, um, and some of your listeners may be familiar with Dudley town, uh, which is, um, you know, a, the remains, it was a, a once a never flourishing town, uh, in, I think it's Cornwall, Connecticut, which is upstate Connecticut, it's this you know town deep in the woods. There's nothing left of it uh, to this day, but it was just one of those towns that just could never uh, take hold. And for one reason or another, the residents were either dying out. There was stories of people going insane. Just bad juju in in Dudley Town. And so I was uh, you know took a class in high school called Call of the Wild. And it was essentially a course about how uh, nature informs literature. And and looking back on it, I might have mentioned this in my email, I think it was more of just how just, you know, experiencing around us with an open mind, you know, how that has impacted on us as writers, but also opening your mind to, you know, there's a lot more going on around us than I think, you know, that, that we realize when we just kind of look at it through this sort of tunnel vision of, of here's what's rational, here's what we understand, that there's that there could be more uh, more to it. Mm-hmm. And so the class culminated in, in a uh, camping trip to Dudley Town. Previous classes uh, used to camp right inside the ruins of the town, but apparently there were just too many powerful experiences that had happened that that they kind of moved the camping, you know, to the outskirts of the town, past the wall, past where there was this, you know, I can't even remember right now off the top of my head, but the the kind of avenue through the trees that kind of got you into the town, um, they would have to camp well outside that. So uh, you kind of you hike through the woods during the day, and then you come back and you set up camp, and then you do a night hike to the town, and then you go into the town, uh, and then the teacher leaves uh, individuals, or you can have a small group. Uh, in the foundations of different buildings in the town, and then you're there. You can uh, can have your flashlight on, and you sit in the dark for about ten or fifteen minutes to just experience the atmosphere. So on the way there, as we're hiking through the woods, uh, you kind of see what looks like headlights uh, through the trees, which immediately strikes me as very strange because you can't drive up there. Uh, you it's about a, you can drive. There's a gate that leads up to the sort of the path that gets you there. Uh, the path itself, I think, is a couple miles long, but it's you know inaccessible via car. And we first noticed them when we were checking out this. It was like a stone kind of uh, platform. I won't call it an altar, but it was just this strange kind of misplaced piece of, of concrete that was out there in the woods. And we were there chatting, and then we kind of see these lights. 
Uh, and so we're, it's on the way to the town. So we're walking there and then a guy, you know, we come up upon a car in the woods, um, kind of off to the side of the path. And, uh, it's a big, um, I think it was like a greenish color. It was, it was pretty dark out at that point. Um, but one of those just big 1970s, uh, you know, four door sedans with these just big metal bumpers on it. I remember that very clearly. And there was a man standing next to the car, and he kind of had shaggyish hair, not super long, but a little shaggy, was wearing a, what looked like a knit cap. Uh, he had a beard, again, not a very bushy beard, but his face was bearded, and I couldn't make out much else about his features. Um, and he was wearing sort of a green kind of army fatigue-looking jacket almost, and then underneath that, uh, he had a, had a red and I think it was red and black pattern flannel shirt that was kind of unbuttoned down to maybe the third button and then maybe there was like a grayish t-shirt under that uh, and he was wearing jeans and what looked like boots and then he was talking to the teacher and couldn't really hear what they were saying and then conversation was over and then he got in the car and he kind of drove off which again i can't quite wrap my head around the driving off part i think he kind of went around the path in the woods Mm -hmm. and then there was no sign or sound of the car after that and my teacher didn't say anything about it and no one asks him about it which looking back i thought that was kind of weird that no one was at least curious as to what they were saying maybe someone did ask him and i just didn't catch wind of it because i was had that sort of mounting fear about uh going into the town but uh yeah it just it was very out of place for this guy in this car to be out there in the woods because there was just no way for him or his car uh to get up there and and yeah there are other properties out there but they are miles and miles away i mean not even not within earshot not within nothing not within like seeing lights in the trees from the houses there's nothing up there so when i listened to uh when i started listening to the flannel man episodes and i heard the first description of flannel man again i got that my skin kind of started crawling a little bit and i said it could be a coincidence it, it might not be but i think this is is worth it enough to, to send yet another email yes. uh <laughs> in about this but uh you know, and that was Connecticut, and that was around that was 1997. So that's going quite a while back. But man, well, again, just the other thing with these crazy. flannel man things mm-hmm. that that people are kind of saying like, well, I didn't know anything about flannel man, but this other thing happened, and then I came upon this guy. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, which seemed to be completely unrelated, you know, mm-hmm. or at least at the time. So. Yeah, it could have been, and that's the thing about the flannel shirt. Like everybody has one, you know. Yeah, I have I have one in my closet upstairs. Yeah, yeah. It's the so description. <laughs> it, it could absolutely be just a dude, you know. Yeah. But, but the fact that they're appearing, you know, time and place close to these other weird things or these other weird places is of great interest to me. Yeah, well, and that's and that's what kind of struck me too, is that uh, I mean, if you do some googling on uh, Dudley Town, it is. At least one of the most haunted locations on the East Coast of the United States. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The Warrens actually were going to take a group of tourists up there back, I think, in the early 90s. Um, they, you know, people paid for this guided tour of Dudley Town with the Warrens, and the Warrens got there. And I don't know what you what your personal opinion is of of the Warrens, but Elaine Warren said it's just too much dark energy here, or whatever she said. It's just too bad a place for us to go into and do this. I won't do it. And they refunded thousands and thousands of dollars to these people. So it's this place is 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 no joke. And yet there is this guy in this flannel shirt by this place of of supposed great sort of you know energy. Right. It just is so interesting. And I think it might have been actually the your most latest uh, episode where I think someone mentioned, well, maybe he is, maybe it's a force that's looking out for us, right? Uh, which would also kind of coincide with the idea that there might be some bad energy in this town. And he said, well, what are you people doing here? Are you planning on staying the night in there? And maybe you shouldn't. I mean, we could have been that kind of thing where he was just sort of a kind of a protective, you know, this protective soul, just making sure that, he, that our teacher wasn't getting these <laughs> these young people into any kind of trouble. Right. Who knows? Did anything weird happen when you were there? Oh, when we were inside the town, yeah, oh yeah, um, I had, and I will, I will hundred percent admit to it with no shame. I had my eyes squeezed shut the entire fifteen minutes we were in there. But when we got in the town, I think it was probably about maybe seventy you know, degrees out. It was, it was late May, I think, when we went out there, and uh, we went out to the town, and we kind of crossed through the, crossed through where this fallen tree was, and we kind of get in through the town proper. You know, with the main street of this town, which again is, is barely a path through these broken down foundations, and we're standing there getting ready to get split up into our separate groups. And I kid you not, it must have dropped maybe fifteen or twenty degrees. That's how it, it just it got cold. I mean, at one point I could see my breath. I was, you know, I, and our teacher was fully prepared. He told us bring our jackets. It might get cold, but it wasn't sort of it. A spring night getting cold, it was like a, within like a minute and a half, two minutes, the temperature just drastically changed. And then we kind of were s- split up and I went with two friends of mine because, again, I was too afraid to go on my own. And um, it was weird because there were some strange smells that we passed some foundations. Like I smelled uh, you know, very distinctly like a, uh, a pipe smoke smell. Um, we passed one foundation where you could see there had been like a basement kind of fireplace. The thing was completely submerged in water, yet there was a very clear kind of smell of, um, of like wood that had been recently burning. And again, we're out in the woods, so, you know, that could mean anything, right? But, um, but no one else smelled that but me. 
and again, I feel like I've always kind of had this. And again, this I probably something I've not said to anyone. And since I was a teenager, I've always felt like I've been kind of in tune with some of this stuff. So maybe I was just kind of picking up on some of maybe these residual vibes of this place. So we sat down in our foundation. It was the foundation of old uh, of the old schoolhouse. And um, I had my eyes squeezed shut, but uh, it got very quiet uh, once everyone was kind of situated. And uh, it was just totally quiet. No sounds of insects, no sounds of birds, nothing. And then all of a sudden, it was like the woods was kind of waking up around us. I would hear, you know, I heard twigs and stuff breaking. Most distinctly, uh, sound that I heard was uh, it sounded like a screen door kind of creaking open and slamming shut like someone was coming out of a coming out of a home only thing was uh there were no um doors anywhere close enough that we would uh, be able to hear them uh and then after that there was some other strange noises some rustling and this this feeling that we weren't alone there again that that sense that you know there was the class was there but then there was someone else there too after that it was it was over and again, I don't know if I would have seen anything had I been brave enough to keep my eyes open. Looking back, I kind of wish I had kept my eyes open, but I guess that one, you know, they, they don't let people back up there uh, these days now. So I guess I'll just have to wonder what I might have seen. But man, the vibe there was just so, so very strong. Wow. It's unbelievable. And then we, once we got back outside the town, it was, you know, back to being warm again. And it's just, was just an unbelievable experience. That really sticks with me to this day. My sister actually went up there too, and she had a few strange experiences that we actually talked about in, I think it was in October. I actually interviewed her for one of uh, one of my podcasts before we actually aired the story that was inspired by Dudley Town. I convinced her to to get on the phone with me and to record an interview for my uh, for my Patreon uh, pledges. So nice. that was that was that was interesting, kind of because her and I we like kind of loosely talked about it a little bit, but it was something that she never really wanted to talk about to kind of revisit some of those feelings. Because, like you said, it's 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 just like it's branded into your brain. It's you can lock it up, but it's still in there, and it's still vivid and very potent. But again, man, wow, wow, what an experience! <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, doing a, a quick search on Dudley Town and looking at it. You know, they're calling it the Village of the Damned. And stuff. oh yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I want to go there, but you, you said it's uh, you can't go there anymore. Yeah, you can't go there anymore. It's too bad. It's uh, too bad because it was just just even if nothing. Even if there were no sounds or anything, just the the vibe, just to feel so different over the span of you know a couple hundred feet, it was astounding. That alone, I won't forget. Just just such a different feel of energy and and sense of you know just where you are has changed completely. Mm-hmm. Is was unbelievable. We will get back to the rest of Phil's interview in a bit. For now, I wanted to thank our patrons. Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons, without whom we could not make the show. So thank you, patrons. If you'd like to help us continue to make Strange Familiars and get extra content besides, please consider becoming a patron. It's patreon.com strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you extra content. We do full extra episodes of Strange Familiars for our patrons, at least one a month, often we do more than one, and just $3 a month gets you that bonus content, as well as special offers and other bonuses. If you want things like t-shirts, stickers, pins, 
copies of my books and CDs and more. You can go in at higher levels of support. You can check it all out at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can help with a one-time donation. Go to strangefamiliars.com and look for the paypal.me link in the show notes. Another way you can help is to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to Strange Familiars and leave us those nice five-star reviews. Did your classmates report anything, you know, similar? Yeah, some of everyone said they heard weird things. Uh, I had one classmate say they that something touched them, um, kind of like poked them, uh, like in the lower back, and then a couple kids just refused to talk about it. Hmm. I think there's about ten of us, and a couple of them just didn't want to talk about it. They just wanted to go home. I did have someone actually. Um, I can't remember her name. Uh, one of those kind of pain kind of kids that you know they think they're you know they're awesome kind of kind of popular you're not supposed to take anything from dudley town i mean that's sort of the classic like you don't take something from a cursed town right right right. um and you know the teacher told the stories he even said don't take anything because i've had kids take things in the past and bad things happen to them well what does she do she took something from the town the next week she got into a car accident Two days later, uh, unrelated to the car accident, she broke her leg. And so she um, had someone take the rock back to the town like, on her behalf because she could obviously hike in the woods. And then after that, her luck seemed to right itself. So believe it or not, I don't know. But uh, you know, that, that was the story going on that she took this rock from the town. And, and, and then these things you know, started to you – know, bad luck started to hit her. Yeah. Well, you, won't ca- you won't catch me taking anything from any of these places. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I you know I I have rocks of from places of good memories. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, the the place with the good vibes. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take a rock. But the the bad the, the bad juju those those rocks can stay. You know where they're lying. <laughs> right so did you guys end up staying the night then? Yeah, so we we stayed the night. That wasn't too bad. I actually managed to sleep uh, again because the vibe was just so different on the outside. It was just being out in, in these beautiful woods, uh, and I think just the expense kind of the uh, the spent adrenaline. I think everyone was just wiped out that I think no one really had a hard time sleeping. It took me a little while to kind of doze off, but there were three of us in the tent, and so it's safety in numbers. I was kind of sleeping in the middle, so I think uh, I think I felt fairly safe that yeah. if anything, if anyone was going to get touched by, you know, by some supernatural force, it wasn't going to be me because I was not near the sides of the tent. <laughs> right. At least that was my reasoning. Right. <laughs> Oh wow! The, still, the, the the flannel man being in such close proximity, or the, the man in flannel, right? Say, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's so interesting, though. Yeah, it just blew me away. It just blew me away. And also, I found interesting too is I, I if I rem- remembering correctly, because I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts in kind of a short span of time, there seem to be like a quite a few of these encounters in sort of the mid or late nineties too, which I, I also found that kind of. Interesting, probably coincidental, but I I just thought that was kind of no, there we go. No, hmm. there yeah. there is a, a definitely a I guess we could call it a flap at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean that's mm-hmm. that's when mm-hmm. my wife saw hers. Yeah, and it was interesting because this is the the first I heard of this flannel man was 
listening to your your podcast. So I'm going to have to kind of go out and 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 dig a little bit about this because again, I was just it was just blew me away to to start listening and then have that sort of recollection. So it's just well, makes you think. It really does. It was a thing. I mean, like I said, I I read about it on some kind of forum. Yeah. In early internet days. Yeah. And mm-hmm. kind of filed it away. Mm-hmm. And John Keel wrote about it. He wrote, it's in Mothman Prophecies and one or two of his other books. Oh, was it in the Mothman? Pro- you know, yeah. There's there's I'm like a, a just like a like one paragraph about a lady who saw some guy in a checkered shirt or something in her. You room. know what? Okay, I think I do remember that. I mean, it's been about ten years since the last time I read that, but uh, that does actually ring a bell now that you mention it. Yeah, it's not a major you know aspect. He just kind of he notes it and he notes that it does happen. And then kind of moves on, you know, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. not like there's a chapter devoted to it. Or right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he does have a, a chapter in another one of his books, I think, like Strange Creatures from Time and Space. I forget the name. Mm-hmm, it's, it's one mm-hmm. of the ones that's been issued under a couple of different titles. But he has a, a chapter in that one where he talks about these, you know, bedroom visitors and yeah. and uh, mentions these, you know, checked shirts. He calls them these checked yeah. shirt, uh, things. That's interesting. You know, the whole just this whole bedroom visitor thing is. I mean, it's a pretty scary concept. I was thinking, if I can postulate a little bit here, uh, and you can totally cut this out if, if this gets too long, but uh, I was doing a little research for this little kind of brief podcast that I do, and um, and I was kind of researching the sleep paralysis thing, and and there was reading about the you know the scientific studies talking about you know the certain inhibitors that you know chemicals your brain will release while you're in REM sleep that effectively make your muscles so relaxed that you're that you're paralyzed and they're not quite sure why this mechanism exists it might be to prevent injury so you so you don't get up and run into a wall i mean or run off a cliff in you know you know prehistoric times right fall uh, tree. and so it got me thinking at first i'm like well you know i guess i guess so it's not some supernatural force that's paralyzing us you can you can you now got the scientific explanation and then I got to thinking, I said, well, what if these, you know, bedroom visitors are waiting for, you know, they, they can kind of sense when there are certain hormonal changes in you and that's when you're your most vulnerable and that's when they choose to come and, and pay you a visit that they let the body kind of take care of the paralysis thing for them and then they can kind of assert their right. their presence, their oh. force, their their suggestion. So, yeah, and I, that, I, I think there's something to it. I think there's. There's something, it's somehow tied in. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if, if, I don't think sleep paralysis works as an explanation for all this stuff. It's, right. it's, as Josh says, it's, don't mistake the keyhole for the room. Yeah. You, oh yeah. 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 You, you know, and, uh, and I think that's a great way of saying it. I think there's something to it. And for a while there, I was writing it off. I was, cause someone had written and told me, and I just took them at their word that they said that, you know, most people experience sleep paralysis at some point in their life. And then my son did, uh, you know, got some statistics recently. He was telling me, mm-hmm. no, it's actually uh, like very few people experience it. Yeah. Yep. So, so the fact that the people that are experiencing it are also experiencing paranormal phenomena of different sort, either during or outside of these sleep paralysis experiences, to me, <laughs> says something. This says something yeah. like kind of yeah. big. Yeah. I, I I think you hit the nail on the head. And it's funny because I, I noticed that same statistic well there's sort of the verbal oh this happens to so many so many people and then the, if you dig a little more i think you come to like your son discovered it's not as 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 prevalent as we might be led to believe even, even if there is a a mechanism 
and really true, you know, sleep paralysis is actually linked to, you know, certain neurological um, conditions. You know, this is genuine actually being unable to move is actually not the nominative, uh, you know, nominal state for your body when it is in, in that in that stage of sleep. So that's also kind of interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very and I, I'm not a neurologist. I don't claim to be. I read a few articles on the Internet. I did not <laughs> stay at the Holiday Inn Express. So <laughs> I'm not an expert. <laughs> you have podcasts? Podcasts plural? I do. I do. A plural, plural, yeah. So, um... I got my start podcasting kind of back in, in the heyday, not at the exact heyday. I started podcasting in 2006. I did a little podcast about writing. Uh, and then I podcasted my debut novel as a, a serialized podcast. It was a haunted space station, and we'll call it a story called Crescent. And that actually ended up doing them pretty well. Uh, at the time, there was a lot of buzz around it. And I did a couple other uh, podcast novels as well and kind of developed a pretty big following around that podcasting my fiction uh, and then life happened a little later on and uh, and I was I fell out of podcasting and my world was kind of turned upside down um, and then in 2017 you know I was I was still writing but my writing wasn't I wasn't really going anywhere other than draft phase and I wanted to kind of get back out there with the writing and I looked into patreon and I said well maybe there's still enough people out there that listen to my podcast originally that they would want to maybe support me and, and help me get my stories back out there. And that's what happened. And I got a, a fairly decent, a decent enough following on Patreon that I was able to kind of cut back on, on gigging every single weekend to make extra money on the side. And I was able to devote time into writing again. And so I was able to kind of get the fiction out there again. And then <laughs> this is kind of a winding path. I'm going to make it as short as possible. Uh, this year I decided, Hey, you know, to promote my Patreon and some upcoming stuff I have, I'm going to, Twitch stream some scary video games in the month of October, uh, namely the Exorcist VR uh, <laughs> for the PlayStation. And I had so much fun doing that that I, I became kind of a regular streamer. And then uh, in 2019, I said, well, I'm going to actually do a kind of companion podcast to the, to the streaming uh, where I just talk about the gaming experience. And then that evolved um, when I started playing this game based on uh, Thai folklore uh, where the podcast suddenly became not just kind of BSing about the game, but I actually started doing research about some of the folklore and then built the podcast kind of around that. And um, it got legs and I fell in love with, uh, as I think you, someone who loves doing research, I kind of fell in love with uh, that part of it. It rekindled my kind of my passion for for all things kind of paranormal. Not that that passion ever really faded out, but I, I, it just, I don't know why it never dawned on me to consider doing some kind of podcast around it. So that's kind of where I am today uh, with that, at least with that podcast. It's still in its fledgling uh, kind of phase. You know, we're about a dozen episodes in, but uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, you know, and it's it's been great to be back out and, and doing this stuff again. And um, so yeah. What's so. it called and where can we find it? So this podcast is called the, uh, the Phil Rossi Media Scream Stream uh, Podcast, and you can... Uh, you can find it on iTunes. You could find it on uh, Spotify if you drop a search for it into like a podcaster like Overcast. Um, it'll it'll come up. There's a couple different ways to get at it. It has its own dedicated feed, but then there's also just the Phil Rossi Media feed as well, which has that podcast and then the free stories. And then of course, shameless plug. Then there's the Patreon page, which is just uh, patreon.com forward slash 
Phil Rossi, and then that is kind of gateway to to all things me. If anyone has any interest, and make sure your listeners know, there's absolutely no pressure to to check anything out. I am just <laughs> absolutely just tickled, <clears throat> tickled and and thrilled to to be on 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 your podcast. No, I didn't know you had a podcast until you mentioned it while we were talking here. So it's, <laughs> it's not like you were booked to talk about your podcast. So so this is me just asking for my own curiosity because I'm finding out about this now. So you, you wrote me about your stories, not about your podcast. But uh, since you mentioned it, I want to talk about it. No, um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really Thank cool. You. Thank so you. So do you have books published too? Yeah, so my book Crescent uh, was published in 2009, and my novella Eden was published in roughly the same time frame. Currently, I've kind of parted ways with my small publisher, thinking that, okay, I'm going to take these under my own wing because I was going to have the follow-up to my novella come out last June, not realizing, oh my gosh, there's a lot of extra work involved in actually getting your, your book out in print that this small publisher was doing than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of stalled that. So if people want to get books directly, I'm, they've been coming through me for sort of my back stock, of which there's a few left. But um, my 2019 goal is to, uh, is to get stuff back into print. Nice. And do you have a website for, for yourself personally or just that Patreon site's the best way to um, Yeah, philrossimedia.com is is my main – it's kind of the portal as well. I mean I do a lot through Patreon, but uh, you know, as you know, I'm also a musician. So you know, I post the my, my gig calendar on that website um, as well as, 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 along with some other related uh, related materials. It's, it's hard having – being sort of in, in multiple like kind of media – figuring out how best to to represent yourself and yeah. not seem just like you're all over the place, which if I'm honest, I, I think I am somewhat all over. All over the place. <laughs> I try to bring it all together and in, in some way, shape or form. So with my stories and my podcasts, you know, I, I try, I produce, you know, music along um, with it uh, to include in the episodes or a sort of uh, extras for the episodes. So songs inspired by the story, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it kind of keeps me able to do the music. So I'm not sacrificing one for the other, other if that makes right. Uh, you know what? The, people can play a drinking game with this podcast. There's a, take a drink anytime he says if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, for for me, I like you know having done music for you know umpteen years before yeah. ever thinking about doing a podcast. I thought this will translate. I thought people will who listen to my music will just come to the podcast. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's 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 similar themes. It's it's similar enough and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that did not happen so much. I, I knew that's exactly where you were going. Oh, and I thought it would work the other way around too. That people that were into my books and podcasts would gravitate toward my music, but um, in some cases, that really hasn't happened. In fact, in two thousand nine, when uh, I was doing, or two thousand seven, when I was first doing the Crescent podcast, and one band that I was in, we released this little folky kind of acoustic EP, and one of my avid podcast listeners went onto iTunes and said, you should really stick to writing books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I said, that's cool. All right. You're entitled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, well, I've had a couple comments that people, you know, Oh, I love his podcast, but ooh, that music, you know, but for the most part, it's I've had, I've actually gained a lot of music fans from the podcast, which I'm super happy about that. That's, that's like, awesome. I did not expect it when, it, when it didn't work the other way, I thought, well, right. it won't, the you know the, the water's not going to flow either direction with this yeah. you know yeah. but uh, yeah. it's, it's actually been very nice people have been very very uh, accepting and I make some weirdo music so yeah. <laughs> well that's fine that's been the thing with the with this new kind of iteration of of my podcasting experience and 
putting music out there along with it, people have been, you know, really into it. And with my last book that I did was sort of a vampire cyberpunk kind of mashup. And so I took some, I did a couple actually, and I paid for the rights for a couple covers and kind of did them sort of, you know, dark wave electronic, you know, I did a little minimal techno version of Bella Lugosi. And then people have been really kind of into some of that stuff too. So it's been, it's been fun, but I have to ask you. So the music that, that we hear on, on strange familiars, is that, is that your music? Yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And obviously I can find links on the strange familiars website to find my way to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, so I'm trying to, I had like three different things cause I was trying to keep, you know, Stone Breath as a pure band, so mm-hmm. only you know stuff I did with the band there. And then I realized like this is a people don't care. Like so, right. so I started yeah. to put my solo stuff with Stone Breath. So it's all under StoneBreath.bandcamp.com now. Awesome. So the, you know, it's it's going, and the things that aren't will be eventually. I'll get them there. I just you know, it's a matter of just porting stuff over from other Bandcamp pages, eventually. which takes time. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I haven't messed with Bandcamp yet, but uh, which uh, but I am. I have a lot of friends who use Bandcamp, so I think as I've committed to finishing some music that's been kind of stalled out for some time to get it up on Bandcamp, I think is my ultimate goal. As I well. highly recommend it. So you're not the first person that said that, so they, I, I'm, I'm I'm doing it. It's happening. <laughs> they are so artist friendly. Yes, yeah. it's amazing. I've never had a better experience with a you know a service like that. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good to hear. That's what I need in my life. I need artist friendly. I don't. I'm finding these days, you know, I don't have the added time to to bang my head against the keyboard trying to to get something to 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 work or set something up. Right. The more artist friendly, the better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's you know, that's you know, I'd love to have a dedicated home for strange familiars that's, you know, outside of Podbean, but Podbean yeah. makes it so easy. They just yeah. they make it so easy that it's kind of like I don't I don't have time to mess with the I, you know, I don't know HTML. So Yeah. I don't, then I have to mess with other stuff or depend on other people. Well, this is just, you know, they make it so easy for me. So, you know, in, until something crazy happens and, and right. it have to be real crazy, like, like <laughs> have to be like last podcast on the left style money yeah, coming in. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've been on, I've been on Libsyn for, I mean, since I started. And I mean, I, I, I haven't used Podbean, but I think they're fairly similar. Yeah, I think it's, just, it's very similar. Those were the two I was looking at. And yeah. I don't even remember why I chose you know what? I think I chose Podbean because OK Talk was on there. OK. It's just like, OK, I know Clint. I know OK Talk. Fine. That's, yeah, you know. Done. Podbean like, it is. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they were, you know, virtually the same, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, though. That's great. But it's like you said, if it's going to if it's going to even cut 20 minutes out of the process, that's 20 minutes you can put focus in elsewhere. And yeah. that's. Yeah, I mean, every minute is, is it counts. It's so valuable. Yeah. It's I read some article about. Basically, they were talking about creative people, and they said, you don't understand, like, time is the most valuable thing of all to creative people. So w- when you do something that's just, like, sucking their time, it's like you're making them miserable. <laughs> you know, that's 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 the truth. Oh, man, yeah. that is the absolute truth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like we're, we're looking for any moment to just kind of cram whatever else in. Oh, yeah. That we can get going here. So d- when you do your stories, the, the fiction... Mm-hmm. Are you just basically, you know, uh, reading the stories? Is it like, a, yeah. like an audio book, in other words? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's an audio book. You know, I, I narrate it uh, myself. Occasionally, if I'll do some things, I'll bring in a couple of fellow podcasters to to do some maybe extras mm-hmm. on the side, depending what the what the project is. Or, you know, I had one story about this couple. It's 
that goes on vacation um, and they somehow end up at the clown motel, which was splashed all over the internet a couple of years ago. I remember. Um, yeah. So the story is based kind of on that location. I know kind of tropey and cliche, but, uh, but it was fun, but I had to write it. Um, but I had a friend of mine do like voice. She was like the, one of the women, you know, the woman on the trip with the husband and she was calling her sister with these voicemails that were kind of getting increasingly more frantic. And so it's been fun to kind of pull friends in to do some, Stuff like that, that kind of adds to the atmosphere of the story uh, yeah. before the story drops. But then the actual story will just be me um, doing the narration and there'll be some sound design, some scoring, some music behind certain ones of them. Um, not all of them, but for most of the books, um, I go, you know, all out with that stuff. Nice. That's cool. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, And as you know, it's, you know, podcasting, it's a, it takes a lot of time. You know, it takes a lot of time and, and focus and, and energy, but I hadn't realized how much I missed it until I, I got back into doing it again full stride. It's a very, very satisfying medium. Yeah, I used to make fanzines, you know, talk about yeah. old, old school, you know, goth stuff. Like, I yeah, used to, yeah. you know, make fanzines back in the day. And uh, I always thought, well, you know, websites are kind of like that. People can put up with it, but it, they never yeah. quite had the feeling. But podcasts really capture that feeling for me. Yeah, that where you're just it's just people who are interested in stuff and, you, you know, they're making these podcasts, whether they're fiction or, or you know, they're exploring nonfiction topics, whatever it is. And it's just these passion projects that people are putting Absolutely. out there. And it's, uh, you know, I've just been really, really fascinated by it. And, and I'm late to the game. You know, I came in late. I didn't even know what a podcast was probably five years ago. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd heard the word, but, you know, I, I probably hadn't listened to one. And then. uh started listening very quickly when oh, I, I want to do this like this, you know this is fun and you know i'm grateful for grateful for and in, i like how you describe it that you're late to the game but the great thing is you're getting people content producers like yourself that are late to the game but they embody the same spirit of podcasting that was there in 2005 and 2006 with this passionate great content and 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 this like zero ego and just there for you know the community and it just it's it's refreshing because also seeing at the same time these other you know podcasts springing up that are very you know I, i'm not bashing any any huge podcast but there's a different feel with some of these you know yes. more corporate sponsored kind of podcasts and there's some that i listen to and that i really enjoy um, but at the same time that's has that untouchable feel of, of that, you know, that's on this, you, know, you can't get to it other than what's in your earbuds, but right. there's a sense of accessibility. Even if you're not reaching out to someone doing a podcast like creepy pod, for example, uh, like even if you're not reaching out to them, uh, you still feel like, you know, they're, you're on the same, same level you're, you're together in this thing. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think that is again, one of the great things about it and about newcomers like yourself, you know, as you put yourself late to the game, it's, I'm grateful for people like yourself that are still getting into the game because I feel like that is what's going to keep podcast alive. Not I, the big A, triple A podcast, you know, as they're described, but I people agree like yourself. A thousand percent. I think the challenge going forward that we're going to have is big media has looked, you know, their eye has turned towards podcasts. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who works for a major radio corporation. And he told me their podcast division brought in more money than their terrestrial radio division last quarter. Wow. So you know where their eyes are looking <laughs> right now. Oh, yeah. So the challenge going forward for the little guys like us, the independent people, mm -hmm. 
is mm-hmm. going to be getting that space on the front page of these yeah. podcatchers and so forth, or getting in the recommendations because it's very quickly going to turn into a pay to play situation. If it hasn't already, I think it might have gone that way already. I, I've had some, some indications where certain podcatchers I've contacted and, uh, the, mm-hmm. no, and they will not answer me straight, whether it's pay to play to get on, <laughs> on their recommended stuff. And not. the fact that they can't answer directly. Uh, I think that is telling in and of exactly, itself. Exactly. So, where there's money to for placement, you know, and and I mean, music's been this way for years. If you want to mm-hmm. be on the end cap in the record store, you're paying for it. Oh yeah, you know, people yeah, totally. people think that, and I did too. I was naive. I ran a record label for years before I realized this. People think it's like the the employees choose their favorite records and put it on the end cap. No, 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 no. No, that's paid that's... placement. They are paid to be even these tiny like like Joe's Record Bar from you know Albuquerque, New Mexico, or whatever. It's paid placement to be on the yeah. end caps. It, it's they're paying to be there. So the big record labels, for instance, can afford to do that, and they'll pay right. for everything to be up there. Yeah. And oh, yeah. the little guys can't, and that's why they're you don't often see them there. Yeah, I fear that podcasting is is kind of headed that way a little bit. But uh, you know, we can fight it with listeners. And well, that's the thing. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And, that's it. And, and that's the best thing about the internet because that's the great equalizer because people yeah. will, will listen to what they like. It doesn't yeah. matter who produces it. They'll listen to what they like. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's it. That's it. And as long as people are there, you know, as long as the listeners are there to evangelize the, the content that they love, then it's, I think, I think that, like you said, the great equalizer. And I think that will continue. I don't think that's going to change. Right. Yeah. Unless uh, something drastic happens with you know right. the, the net neutrality or something. But, right. You know, yeah. the way things look right now, it's, you know, it's an uphill battle. It seems like it's going to be, but it's okay. I think, I think we'll still, you know, because people are going to keep making content because we can. You know? Well, yeah, that's the thing. We can't, because we can't stop. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, give your websites again, just to, to round it up. Uh, and that's super kind of you, and I, I really do appreciate that. And I want to thank your listeners for not <laughs> hopefully thinking I'm a douchebag. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Once again, <laughs> Phil didn't mention any of this in his emails. He mentioned his two stories, and that's you know all he came to talk about. But I can't let go uh, when I hear podcasts and, and uh, books. I have to talk about that, too. All right, websites. So the best way uh, – to get at my content uh, will be patreon.com forward slash Phil Rossi. Uh, and there is free content available on there. So you don't actually have to pledge to get access to, to some of the content. I have been doing uh, free stories every month, every other month. So we've got some of that up there. Uh, and then philrossimedia.com, uh, which will lead you to uh, my music and, and some of that some of that part of the experience. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, thanks for 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 doing this uh, phenomenal podcast. I feel like it has really brought me closer to some of these topics that I used to be so passionate about and is kind of driving my desire to to take the new podcast to 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 better levels here. And so I'm I'm I couldn't be more excited. And you awesome. know, it's funny, on a side note, um and you can cut this part off. You know, I live in Northern Virginia. Uh, very close to all these amazing battlefields. And, and so I think there's the opportunity to kind of experience some of this stuff again is pretty much right in my backyard. So, uh, so I'm uh, excited to maybe even, even get out there and, and to see if I still have that same sort of sensitivity to this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful, but go for it.
Yeah, I don't want to bring anything home with me because uh, <laughs> I think my wife will be really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much for having me on the show, and it's been great. Sure thing. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next Thursday with another episode of Strange Familiars. I want to thank Eric C. for the PayPal donation. Eric has been giving us PayPal help on a regular basis, so thank you, Eric. Remember, you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. All of that contact information goes to me. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can also join the Strange Familiars gathering group. And we're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. Let me not think on you Let me still portray Springtime With its flowered view The wave that ebbs away And who Perfumes fairy to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.